Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. I'm Tiffany, and here with Ashley, and we... um, we want to make the most of this moment with you listeners. We know that these are heavy, tender times that demand us to step up and serve and love our brothers and sisters. And so before we have our conversation today of why it is the time to listen, though, hmm. I first want to open us up in prayer. Yeah. Father God... We just ask right now that you would permeate this conversation Mm -hmm. with your spirit. Would you impart your goodness, your frustration, Mm. your anger, and your truth in a way that invites all of us to move the ark toward justice, redemption, and wholeness? Yes, Lord. We ask that we would be open-handed. Yeah. No matter where you're listening from, listener, whether you're doing laundry, whether you're driving, whether you're on the treadmill, wherever you listen to this today, we ask that you would open your heart and your mind and your spirit and your body to receive all that the Lord would have for you. Not what we would have for you, but what the Lord would impart on you today during this critical time in our nation and really in our world. Hmm. Jesus, be the center. Yes, God. Jesus, have your way. Yes, Lord. Jesus, would your essence and your truth and your message be within us, within us, moving through us, and may it be what we hand off to others. In your name, Thank amen. You, God. Amen. Amen. As we've all watched the news and we've all seen the protesting and as we've processed um, with our experiences, right, we are coming to the table to process what's happening in America right now with our past Mm -hmm. experiences, with our learning, with our education. So meaning we are all coming to the table with a different understanding. And it's also a beautiful time for us to learn from the experts to learn from black voices and we linked some last week we're going to link a ton today and that they're going to be weaved in our conversation today but i first want to start our time together in mark 10 i'm going to read to you from the new living translation mark 10 17 through 27 about the rich man as jesus was starting out on his way to jerusalem a man came running up to him knelt down and asked good teacher what must i do to inherit eternal life why do you call me good Jesus asked, only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. 
and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. This amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Now, what I want to point out in the story is verse 21. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. The person who couldn't quite grapple with what Jesus was saying, the person who was maybe just a little confused of what his power and privilege and possession meant in the world. Didn't quite get it, but Jesus had compassion. He wanted that man to get it. And he instructed the man what would need to happen for him to enjoy and take part in the kingdom. Hmm. And then um, recently I came across from Shad, who is a Canadian rapper who was on Hip Hop Evolution on Netflix. He said this on Instagram that it was hmm. so powerful. He said this, a certain world leader held up a book today for a photo op and gave a smug speech threatening violence. In that book, there is a story important enough to be recounted three times. And he goes on to tell the story of the rich young man. Hmm. When the teacher famously says that it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, it is only possible with man. It hmm. is that is impossible with man, only possible with God. Right. Many interpretations exist for this story, but what I find most fascinating and relevant to the past few days is that the rich man's inability to give away his wealth and privilege is primarily framed here not as a detriment to the poor, but to his own soul. MLK, James Baldwin, and others have said similar things about white supremacy, explaining that racism is a disease that may kill black people from the outside in, but it destroys whites from the inside out. Which got me thinking, maybe wealth and privilege damage our souls, our humanity, mm -hmm. our true well-being by disconnecting them from the soul of the world, which Shoo. is to say, by disconnecting us from human suffering. When our wealth or privilege are substantial enough to insulate us from the realities of the world, I want to say that one more time because it means something. Yes. When our wealth or privilege are substantial enough to insulate us from the realities of the world, the realities of systemic racism, for example, we are essentially living a lie. And a lie can never free our souls. We can only be free when we get in touch with the truth. Perhaps there is a deep sense of belonging, a true feeling of allyship and connectedness that only exists on the other side of spending our wealth and privilege for others. Hmm. Maybe things like wealth and privilege aren't safeguards against suffering as much as they are barriers to joining more fully into the life of the human family, Gosh. to entering a kingdom of as God imagines it. Mm. Whew. So when we think of what we have and what we believe has insulated or protected us, it is so wise to remember that those could be the very barriers to joining in connection and solidarity and an allyship and really the kingdom of God 
when we refuse to share that with others and use that platform and privilege for the blessing of others. Yes, I love everything about what you just shared. And I have heard that passage teached so poorly, taught so poorly Mm. in churches. And I appreciate this, this perspective. I know this to be the right and true. And especially as I personally have studied under, you know, leaders in the justice movement. And as you were sharing this earlier with me, and again, right now, I kept thinking about activist Ruby Sales. And when I was on our Mm. pilgrimage with Ruby Wu, which I encourage you, if you ever have the opportunity to go on a pilgrimage, choose to go with Freedom Road. They do these powerful pilgrimages, one through the women's um, suffrage movement. They do some civil rights um, tours and pilgrimages down in the South. They're doing a couple of global ones next year. And man, I could not recommend it more highly. But Ruby Sales spoke about this. I mean, she was alongside Dr. King (laughs) fighting this good fight and part of this nonviolent movement in the South and um, is a a powerful human being that we need to be really listening to. And, um, you know, she's watching all this play out again, but she was talking about how white people do not understand how divorced we become from our own culture and heritage, that other people are named a color, but we are also named a color. We are named white and we are divorced from our heritage and we are divorced from our people and we are divorced from community and what it means to have a lineage and what it means to have a people that we come from. And it's so true. I mean, I could identify that in my own life. I don't know any further back than my great grandparents. And I just, the, probably the only reason I know that is because I had one on each side alive in my lifetime. And as I saw, sat and really thought about this, and then she began to go on and share from there about how destructive um, pride is and how destructive supremacy is to white people. And when we, you know, how would other races have to deal with our sense of their inferiority, we are mm-hmm. operating in our superiority and not understanding right. that it is destroying our soul, that it is destroying who we were created to be, that it is divorcing us from ourselves, from our humanity, and from God. And it just sat in me like a brick, you know, because it's so true. And we can even begin to develop, you know, people talk about this all the time, the white savior mentality, and we're here to help and we're going to fix things. And, you know, over the last week, I, I'm sure, like many other people who have been in this fight for a minute, and I've not even been in it that long. <laughs> but gosh, I felt frustrated with people who I feel are just maybe jumping on the bandwagon, but are not going to actually change how they behave or change the way they think or change the way they operate in the world or change the way that they vote or think about policy and how it breaks down to a person. And I, I find myself frustrated but I want to constantly battle that because I know that supremacy makes me sick and I know that it sets me up um, to not be connected to God. You know, it says in the Bible that God resists the proud, mm-hmm. but he comes close to the humble. And so it's important for us as as people of privilege. And of course, that can look like a million things. It can look like citizenship. It can look like um, your class that you're in. It can look like the amount of money that you have, the resources you have access to, the education that you have access to. I mean, it can look like so many things, not just white skin. So it's really important for all of us to go, gosh, where am I sitting in a superior place and not humbly? <laughs> because privilege can be used as a great benefit to the world, as a great connector, as a great, um, you know, a beautiful funnel of resource and mm-hmm. um, 
connection and help to the world, or it can serve as this thing where we are hoarding resources. And I think that's what really bothered me too about, you know, President Trump's speech. It's just like, gosh, I'm your president of law and order. Are you kidding Mm. me right now? I'm so glad that I have a savior named Jesus. I'm so glad that I have a shepherd who was good, who was not interested in law and order, but who was interested in equity and justice and mercy and sacrifice and love and grace. I'm so glad that he Mm -hmm. is my ruler. I'm so glad that he sits on the throne of my heart because when I hear those things, I'm like, no, 100% no. And then that he would walk a Bible past and spray priests with tear gas and hit Black Lives Matter medics who are taking care of these priests. I'm just like, you got to be kidding me for a photo op. And I just think, yeah. gosh, we, it was the epitome of privilege. And it, whether and whatever your politics are, because I know we're all over the map with mm-hmm. our listeners, you got to know that now is not the time to sow seeds of divisiveness and sow um, inflammatory remarks that are painful and hurtful for people. And now is the time to ask people to change and to be in it with them. And I was disappointed that we don't have someone who is willing to do that. But I love that passage of scripture that shows us not everyone will. <laughs> like It's just facts. Not everybody will lay down their rights in the name of their savior, because that's what Jesus did. He laid down everything. He laid down his rights. He laid down his privilege to come to be with us as a man, to walk with us, to journey with us. And he is asking us to do the same. Yes. Yes. I love how you said that, to lay down your privilege all in the name of love, right? It's come in on. the name of love. That's what it's and for. It's yes. In the name of connection. We rob ourselves when we do not lend our hand. We rob ourselves when we do not sacrifice. Yes. Sacrifice was the plan all along. It was the plan all along. Yes. For those with privilege and power and position. Correct. um, A lot of, we also want to address um, some questions that we have received individually. And a lot of those questions are, so what what do we do from here? Where do we go from here? What's the goal? Mm -hmm. And so we thought, you know, as, as famously said, protests are the language and the sound of the unheard right it you can wonder okay where do we go from here mm-hmm. and i think that we just wanted to take a minute to talk about some of the things that when you think of this issue and you feel like this is so big this is so big how do we actually address this yes um and there are many ways actually yeah. do you want to open up just a few ways we can do that sure i'd love to i mean the first way that i'm thinking about is like what are some active steps you can take towards calling the people whose tax our taxes pay their salaries you know i've called yeah. and written emails on behalf of the three officers that i want to see arrested and indicted because you know what this nation would rather let our country burn than arrest three officers who allowed a man to die and lose his life. And so you can call on that. You can think about Breonna Taylor. She's still, those officers have not been arrested. There's been no justice. In fact, her partner who was in the house with her at the time has been arrested, but not the officers who shot her eight times because they were in the wrong house. You can call the local PDs, you can call the local attorney generals, you can call in here in California, you can, um, we've been protesting, you can march, you can provide resistance, you can start conversations, you can, you know, email and call your local officials on city councils, you can call your state officials, you can email the White House and share with them what you would like to see. And so do not think that you're powerless. And those things, each of those things I listed besides the marching, um, takes a five minute if that 
chunk of your day. Like this is so easy. I have a dear friend, Mary, and since the election in 2016, she has faithfully called every senator in all 50 states once a week. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love <laughs> because that Because she wants so to see policy change. And she's a, she's a prison chaplain. She is, you know, out here in these streets. She is loving people. She is set on community development. She's providing respite and retreat for people. But she is willing to, to pick up the phone and call every single week of her life. Like, we're not powerless. We vote these people into office and we are looking for them to act for the greater good. We want them to move for the greater good, not for the way the lobbyists are leading them or the way money might be pushing them. But like, hey, there's people, your constituents, the people you signed up to serve. And we want to see that. So that's one way. And Tiffany, do you want to talk about policing? Like what's yes, some options I do. there? Absolutely. First, I want to give just a brief history on policing. And excuse me, I've been asked several times like, oh, why now? Like, why now is Mm -hmm. this such a big deal of police brutality? I'm like, first of all, it's always been a big deal. Second of all, the internet, with the rise of smartphones and the internet, these things have always been happening. But now, outsiders, bystanders, allies are filming it, sharing it, and there is proof of these things happening. But the Boston Globe has a... Um, a really, really profound article, which I will link, but I'm going to read just a chunk about um, policing and black bodies. And it says this, law enforcement officers have long used their authority to control the behavior and movements of blacks. Before the Civil War, slave patrols were tasked with tracking runaway slaves throughout the United States. After abolition, blacks were detained and punished for infractions that would otherwise have been considered trivial had they been committed by whites. Policing was tied to the use of force by a justice system aimed at maintaining a social hierarchy based on a belief in the racial superiority of whites. For more than a century, did you hear that? A century (laughs) after the Civil War, police officials were often secret members of white supremacist groups like the KKK. Police relations with minority communities today clearly reflects this deep legacy of racism. And I'll link that because there's so much great information of how that manifests. And So moving forward, one of the ways we can serve our black brothers and sisters is by calling our local police departments, is by calling our state patrol, Mm -hmm. is by calling the powers that be and finding out what's their de-escalation training are they pursuing de-escalation training are they using body cams how is that footage being distributed finding out what's happening and if if it's not up to snuff of de-escalation or any Mm -hmm. other of the other proven ways that most of the western world employs then we can push for that we can lobby for that we can let people know we can flood those places we can put the pressure on Mm -hmm. and i just have to say just this one thing as a mother of a black son, I fear for his 16th birthday. Yeah. I fear for the day that he's going to be driving by himself. I think about it every day. I've thought about it since the day he joined my family. It terrifies me to think that I would not be in the car with him to protect him. Not that my skin will protect him at all, quite frankly. Yeah. But I believe that somehow my mama tenacity would protect him. And that's my own, that's my own prejudice of believing that somehow my presence would protect him. Hmm. But the idea of our black brothers and sisters feeling unsafe around the very people charged with protecting us, yet who have a really checkered past of protecting all of us Mm -hmm. is a problem. Mm -hmm. And it is upon all of us to address it. And I know there are good officers out there. We know that. We know that. Both of us have reposted some beautiful stories of 
entire police precincts marching dropping to one knee we yeah. know that there's good men and good women and both of us have worked with police departments in our, oh, in our yes. justice career for years yes we have yes we have yes to do good work to yes. do good work yes but we believe that there is a need for transparency mm-hmm. and a need to pursue another way yes. of walking through these tense and tough moments yes. that police are bound to find themselves in. They're bound to find themselves in. I agree. And another thing to know that many people don't know is that um, sheriffs, like the the person who oversees the whole sheriff department, that is an elected role in states. And so many of us do not turn out for those elections. We don't pay attention to those local elections that are happening, but pay attention, find out. Yes. And sheriffs yes, yes, oversee yes. all the jails across your state. And so if this person is corrupt or this person has racist ideals or this person has strong stances on things like immigration that are detrimental, they're fine with kids in cages, like you need to know that because you yep. have to turn out at these local elections and you have to vote because it is our responsibility. And if we don't, the mayor is not appointing these people. The federal government doesn't appoint them. They are elected officials. Same thing with attorney generals. So if you know someone has a high prosecution rate, a, a, a track record of being racist, vote them out and again those are the local elections that we don't pay very much attention to and in fact here in california it was the same way in new york only um 10 or less people in the whole state turn out for local elections and so it's really important that we start to think and evaluate gosh i have a voice that i can use it doesn't have to be this way i can show up and i can vote and i can make a difference and you can empower other people remind them when elections are hound people post it on you know instagram and facebook let people know if you if you have a platform let people know these things are happening so that we can make a difference because these are the folks who are making our policies, our laws, they are legislating how correction officers deal with people in prisons, whether they are treated humanely or not. I mean, this is a big friggin' deal. And so we think it's really important for us to be paying attention to this and just be listening to leaders who are on the ground. You know, if you yep. see something on social media, check it. Find out if it's, you know, are there are there some lead activists who are actually doing that work or is somebody just randomly starting something that might be cool? Like make sure that you're checking your work. That's part of what listening is. It's going yeah. further than just seeing a post on social media or something in the news and starting to research and really look and identifying sources. Where is this coming from? And making sure that you are aware and that you are educated. Um, and it doesn't have to make you feel overwhelmed. This is just part of what it means to be a constituent and part of what it means to be a citizen like it is just our blessed responsibility people died so we can do things like this you know they died they lost their lives they went to prison so that we can do this let's not forsake our responsibility to our our cities and to our communities people are counting on us and as tiffany shared boy i just like i had to choke back the tears because that's exactly it i keep thinking about my brothers and my sisters and i don't want people to have to live in fear. Can you imagine having to live in fear in your own community, in the place where you dwell all the time? And if you don't understand this yet, please seek God. He will show you. He will help you understand because he's a great God of compassion. And he knows how to help us see what he sees. And so pray and ask God to help you. He will help you listen. He will help you see. Yes. And as we have in the past, we will link to activists and voices who are really doing the work and who are really taking time to educate all of us on how this has manifested throughout the centuries and what our role is now. Yes. 
And um, we want to share something with you. We know this, again, every 25-minute episode we do cannot be this big comprehensive thought process and ideas around all these issues, but we are hoping to turn up and show up every week and be in this with you and hopefully provide some ways that you can actually make a tangible difference on the ground. And I loved what Tiffany shared the Facebook post last week from her, um, her beautiful friend and just seeing people make a difference where they are and beginning to read and beginning to research. So don't be overwhelmed. You may not be able to march in the protest. You might not be able to do some of the things that we talked about today, but you can do something. You can do something at your dinner table. You can talk to your children. You can have a conversation with a professor. You can um, talk to a faith leader that you find is either not speaking or maybe has a little bit of prejudice or racism in them. Like you can be strong. You have a voice. Yep. And so we're praying that God will help you. Your your sphere of influence is not too small to make a difference, my friend. And I want to read over us, um, as Tiffany prayed powerfully at the beginning, I want to read over us a psalm that's ministering to me because we know that some of you out there really need rest and retreat. And we think probably everybody does right now because we're still in the middle of COVID. It hasn't gone away. (laughs) We're still all in lockdown. Now many of us are having, you know, 4 p.m. curfews in our city. And so we know that this is taking a toll and we were not, we were not designed to live at this level of stress all the time. And so Psalm, we weren't. Psalm 23 is really ministering to me today. And I shared that with Tiffany earlier and I want to read it over you. And I'll explain what Electio Divina is. So maybe you could do this later in your own time. But basically Electio Divina is a type of way of studying the Bible that's a little bit more reflective and internal. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes you can read the Bible and just check it off your list that you did it. But this actually helps you sit with the text and um, listen and learn. So the first way you do it is you read it once just to yourself. You read it the second time out loud and another third time read it again and ask God, is there anything in this passage that you would highlight to me? And I don't mean like hearing a word from the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the actual scripture. What do, what do you see God highlighting to you? And what does God want to give you? And what does God want to say to you? And what does God want you to do with what he's given you? Okay, so I'm just going to read it over you once, not three times today, but just one time as a blessing and as a reminder of the beautiful shepherd that you serve and that he is the highest authority and that he's just and he is merciful and he's good and he's loving. And I want to read this over you. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So dear listener, we bless you. We are in this with you. And we pray that today you would lack nothing and that you would allow your Savior to lead you beside quiet waters, green pastures. Let him refresh your soul. And we we love you. This is the highlight of our week is spending time with you. So we're praying for you through this difficult time in our nation. Bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, listeners, remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit TiffanyBloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit AshAbercrombie.org. See you next week.